Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the True Potential Do More With Your Money podcast. It is episode 68 and it is Friday the 14th of May. Uh, delighted to be joined this morning by George Bell, by Steve Hutton and by Jamie Sexton. Thanks for joining me this morning, everybody. Um, what we're going to talk about today is uh, property versus pension. Um, probably the common common thing you hear from the man in the pub, if we can remember what a pub is come Monday. We'll be back in those pubs, of course. But, you know, you, you'll always hear from somebody who'll say, I'm not investing in a pension because I have my house. My house is worth this much money. Or I'm just going to get a rental property because it's much safer than a pension, um, et cetera, et cetera. And we can probably talk about some of those anecdotes as this morning's podcast gets on um, and what could be good alternatives to that uh, man in the pub investment strategy. But before we do that... George, I think we've we've had you know we just talked about this in the introduction. We've had a, a up and down week with markets, so maybe maybe you could recap just a little bit, please. Yeah, absolutely, Dan. Quite a bit going on this week. If maybe if I try and focus on two or three key points within the markets, which we've been discussing as a team, but also with the fund managers, which we've been sitting down with each uh, each, each day this week. Which I'll maybe draw some of those aspects out towards the end as well, just in terms of key points expanding a little bit further out than the week, if that would be helpful. But maybe if I kick off with some numbers in, in before I start, it's been a heavy week for forward guidance, for reports, for, for economic data prints. So markets have been a little bit more sensitive to, to this information. But on the week, global equities are down around 3%. If we look on a regional basis, more challenged areas are the tech sector, the NASDAQ within the US is an example. They are more sensitive to bond yields, which I'll come on to, bond yields reflecting uh, finance and costs essentially, and that impacts the earnings which have been um, expected for the tech sector overall, which are, are, are strong earnings expectations. Not all regions were challenged to, to that same extent. In bond markets, the 10 and 30 year bonds, um, yeah, the yield up around 10 basis points on the 10 year, around 12 basis points on the 30 year. So you had a yield there on a 10 year government bond in the UK of around 0.9%, around 1.4% on a 30 year bond. In terms of the US, 10 and 30 year, you had yields up 9 and 16 basis points to 1.7% and 2.4%. So overall, if we look at global government bonds, total return there was down around 0.6%. Global corporate bonds were down around 0.8%. So not the same magnitude of impact as what you're seeing there within the equity markets, but essentially you've seen bond yields back up a little bit there as markets try and expect where they think rates should be given the inflation backdrop. In terms of currency markets, you had the dollar, which was slightly stronger, was up against a basket of international peers, about 0.5%. Sterling was up around 1.1%. So in context, uh, sterling against the, the dollar hit around 141. Sterling against the euro hit 116 overall. So these are, are, are data points which are, yes, they're reacting to, to, to what we're hearing in terms of reports, but they're coming from a very strong place. If we think about markets, they've had a really strong first part of the year. Um, if we look at our portfolios as an example, you've got the aggressive model, which is up 6% since the turn of the year. If we look on a 12-month basis, 25%. If we look on a five-year basis, around 60%, around 40% for, for even a balanced client there. So we're talking about a very short-term period of, of, of markets with a lot of focus on data prints, which was to be expected. But if we look over the longer term there, you're still seeing that that, that data print is coming off some very strong, strong return numbers 
overall. So what caused the market movements and what have we been discussing? Well, one, and I'm going to actually go back to last Friday afternoon because it was the US jobs report. Um, this has, has relevance for what we saw within Monday's markets as an example. US inflation print is probably another area which we could focus on there. So back last Friday, you had the non-farm payrolls, which is the jobs report. Essentially, analysts were expecting nearly 1 million new workers to join the labour force. Unfortunately, the target did overshoot the real number. You had just 266,000 which joined. But remember, in the US, the citizens have had these direct checks to them. They've got savings levels, which are at elevated rates. So you've got savings level in the US at around 27% of disposable income. And the long-term average is around 10, 11%. So they've got a bit more choice in terms of you know, the need to, to return to the marketplace. That's not for everybody. It will be a greater, greater impact to those who've got greater disposable incomes, but it adds a bit of flexibility there. In terms of the US Treasury bonds, they, you know, they performed well on the back of it. The, the yield on a 10-year bond, which is inverse to the price, actually came in about nine basis points to 1.47. Later on, the yield did start to pop out a little bit, uh, so, so it finished around two basis points up on the day on Monday. But you had the NASDAQ, which is, is more tech-focused, that responded well. As I say, you've got companies which are more sensitive to lending rates, um, so that, that, that was a bit more beneficial there just on, on the earlier part of the yeah. week. Just just to interrupt for one second, George, and apologies, but that's a really interesting point about the US market with the jobs and, and the fact that maybe some of these the kind of the, 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 the support checks have helped people raise some 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 more income so they've been more selective with their jobs. And I find this a little bit with, with the UK as well, where I've I've got friends, we've got family as well who work in hospitality and they've they've been furloughed um or some have actually because of the way the furlough scheme works you can actually um you know, have another job as well as well as still getting you up to your 80 percent and hospitality are really struggling over here to actually recruit staff back in i think there was a there was a kind of conception which unfortunately has proven to be a misconception that as soon as you know pubs open back up on you know in april and then you know everything opens up indoors come monday chefs, waitresses, bar staff, et cetera, would be easy to recruit again. And it, it, it's far different from that. So I wonder if some of that's going on in the US as well, where people are maybe retraining and, and, and wanting to go into a completely different industry now. I, I don't know, Steve and Jamie and, and, and even George, I don't know if you have similar anecdotes to me with, with that in terms of hospitality. Yeah, I think, Molly, but I think it's going to be interesting. We had sort of this idea of what the market and the economy will be like when it reopens. And I think uh, it won't be as any of us thought, really. Uh, you know, it, it won't be this smooth path to everyone just going back to what they were doing before and growth getting back to where it was. I think it'll be a bumpy ride. But I think from my perspective, it's looking at almost using common sense now. You know, the economy has been shut down and under mothballs, in mothballs for the last year. It's going to reopen, so things are going to pick up. So economic growth will pick up. It might not pick up in a uniform manner, but it will definitely start to pick up and things will start to get better again. So your investments, you know, if you've made them, then hopefully should start to improve and, and keep going. Um, but it's never as people as analysts say, and I think, Dan, your point's right. No one would have predicted that maybe some of the workers in hospitality might have been might have been foreign nationals that have, have sort of repatriated to live with their families during during the coronavirus. And maybe they've got re-employment in their own countries. So it's going to be an interesting few months. Uh, yeah. 
but certainly a lot better than it has been. That's for sure. I'm, I'm sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think Steve. I think it's it's interesting that and we were talking about this yesterday, uh, Dan, in terms of people doing more qualifications during that that lockdown mm. period where you where you had a bit of time. Um, I know I personally did two exams that I probably wouldn't have done if I didn't have the sort of weekends that you're stuck in the house for. And I think there has been an element of people re-educating, um, thinking actually, do I, you know, is it time to rethink now while I'm getting paid to sort of be at home? Um, yeah. I think we've definitely seen a sign of that. I've noticed a couple of our sort of local areas when they've started to open back up the, the pubs, advertising for, for jobs and, and very few um, sort of taking that option. So it's, it is interesting. I think people have looked to, is it time to look for a different opportunity now I've got this, you know, getting paid to study yeah no it's 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 interesting apologies george for the interruption i just i just thought it was just a interesting point with crossing the us because it's something i'm kind of seeing via adverts on facebook and things every bar and restaurant i follow is asking we need stuff you know i think steve you you hit on a really interesting point there which which leads into the, the the second point of the week which is really around inflation you mentioned that you know won't be won't be even and you will see different areas which are, are performing more strongly at different points in time or at least feeling the surge of recovery and pick up in activity so you know the by monday what markets were really revving up for was the inflation prints coming out of the us which we've been talking about quite a bit on the podcast we've been talking about quite a bit in terms of morning markets but when that data did come through on wednesday it was showing a year on year increase in terms of prices with with inflation there from April of 4.2%. That was higher than what the markets were expecting, around 3.6%. You've got a Fed target there of around 2% there. So it, it was slightly higher, but that's what's printed on the front page of every every newspaper. And that's what's led to the, the, the bond market to react so heavily. If we actually get under the bonnet of what's driving that price, you know, the big jump was driven by energy costs. They were up 25% year on year, but from a, a depressed level. If we think back, and Steve, we talked about this quite a bit last year, sort of March, April, we had negative oil futures prices trading. Now we're clearly in an environment where energy prices are, are back up. So you're getting a bit of a base effect come back um, in, in that <clears throat> sense. You've also got things such as, you know, secondhand cars and, and truck prices, which increased 10%. Now, if you annualize that up, you know, it's over 100% um, growth in, in prices. That's not sustainable. What it's reflecting is the fact that you've got semiconductor shortages across the world and you've got these bottlenecks in terms of supply chains. You've got this pickup in demand as people are getting back out of the house and actually thinking, I'll go and get that car, but I don't want to wait, you know, three, four months lead time to buy a new car, buy a used car. So you're seeing an unusual spike in areas such as, as secondhand cars and trucks. You're seeing airfares, which are up 10% because people are desperate to travel. Same with, you know, hotels, motel rooms and, and, and all of this sort of information which is reflecting people just getting back out the house and, and using more energy and so you're seeing a bit of a, a base effect there now what does it mean well is it here to stay um well inflation's not not a bad thing you know inflation can be viewed as a, a healthy healthy growth rate as i say the fed they have a two percent target they've got a bit of flexibility within that but essentially what we're saying is if we look at under the bonnet what's happening is we see this as more of a transitory impact. Those high levels of inflation we feel will roll over and you'll start to see a normalization as you move out through the year. The energy prices is a good example of that. If we look, that's a year on year number, but if we look month on month, then actually you're seeing a bit of a, a tapering off in, in, in those there. I think, yeah, I think it's a, 
two interesting points from there, George. I think the, the used car side of things is, is really interesting. Um, I, I, I've just bought a car and I've actually bought it as a demonstrator. And I've more or less paid what was full car price. And that's because I didn't want to wait till probably February next year for it. And Jamie, we're looking at yourself. You, you're trying to buy a car at the minute. You, you, you can't get one. No, exactly. Yeah, yeah it's, it's interesting. It's, it was, I was looking around because I'm, I kind of thought we went down to one car, but now coming back to work, you kind of want to get back to your two cars, which is probably a lot of people are in a similar situation. And you're right, trying to get the car I want in the area has been it's been a nightmare. Yeah, and I think the the, the other inflationary measure is probably just the pint of a uh, the cost of a pint of beer. If anyone's, had. I went out on Saturday. It was one of my friend's 40th birthday, so we went into Newcastle. It's the first time I've been out, and by Jove, inflation's. <laughs> That's when you feel it. Yeah, I, I felt it already. I felt it in more than one way on Sunday morning, both physically and, and 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 mentally when I looked at the bank statement the next day. So, yeah, again, apologies for interrupting, George. I just thought a couple of <laughs> couple of real tragic examples from my life there. So it's, uh, I suppose today it's all about the ECB uh, policy meet uh, minutes. You know, central banks are, are are in big focus at this point in time because people are really looking for clues as to, you know, are they sticking by that massive stimulus support package which they've got? Are they going to start to taper? What's their view on, on growth? So there'll be a bit of focus on that today. But I think it was nice to see some some green back on the board. Um, it was a strong day for the US yesterday, strong, you know, overnight trading session in, in Asia. And we're starting to see some of that wash through into to Europe today. You know, straight from this session, I'll be going into a meeting with the investment team. We'll be discussing what we feel are we were talking about this last week on, on the investment management special, taking all of this data, all of this information and in the noise to some extent and distilling that down into what really matters. So, you know, a couple of key points which we've been discussing with our, our fund managers this week, and I'll, I'll try and stick to two, I'll be, be, be pretty quick on this, but one is overall the managers are constructive on the economic recovery. That's supported by vaccination levels here in the UK. You've got around 52% of, of the population which has received at least one dose of the vaccine in the US. You've got about 46% in Europe, lagging behind there at around 24.7 at this point in time, but there's been a real acceleration over the last couple of weeks there. So you're starting to see an improvement there, which is supporting more so the developed world than the developing at this stage. And um, so back to Steve's point, there is a bit of a, an unevenness in terms of markets overall, but the convention, the, the, the markets are, or, or the, the fund managers are, are convinced that um, you know the, the the vaccine is is progressing in line with with you know the targets overall in terms of how that translates into markets. Normally markets price a little bit faster. Um, these expectations we tend to get economic prints which are reflecting the previous month, the previous quarter. Markets are looking forward. The managers see a huge amount of opportunity at this point in time, not just within broad equity markets, but actually when you get under the bonnet and the divergence, which you've seen in sectors. So it's a great opportunity for the true potential portfolios and our active managers who are not slavishly tracking indices, but can exploit those opportunities. The final point is really just back to, to inflation. As I mentioned, you're seeing the base effects which are coming through. But on the other side, you've got excess capacity in labour markets, people not wanting to return back to the labour market just yet. You've had a massive amount of investment in technology and capital investment. And technology is really good in terms of improving unit productivity, which again can help 
mitigate some of the the wage costs and, and business costs which are coming through in terms of unit um in in that sense so that that, that that's the overall view fund managers viewing this as transitory inflation can be healthy if it's at a, a sustained uh, level or if it's at a level close to target which the overall feel we'll, we'll, we'll be getting back to grant thank you very much uh, george and i'm just looking now the european markets as you mentioned they're all all green FTSE 100 is above 7,000 right now again. So yeah, all all back the all back the good. <laughs> um, talking about good look, let's let, let, let let's go back to the the the, the topic of today. And I, I think, gents, it might be useful if we kind of talk about some of the perceived pros really with with, with investing with property. You know, I've been mildly glib before when I was paraphrasing the man down the pub when they when they say why to invest in in property, but I think. Maybe Steve, if, if if we wouldn't maybe kick off with you and maybe just share a couple of what uh, some of the pros and of invested in property could be, please. Um, when I saw the topic of of this podcast, it, I thought, cracky, that is on the face of it quite a simple subject, but when you actually just think about it, it's a very complex subject. And my rationale here went along the lines of property becomes a really emotional investment. Uh, and all professional investors will tell you, you need to separate emotion from investment. You know, you need to base it on hard facts and hard data. And because uh, an Englishman's home is his castle, we are, unlike many other markets, we are a nation of homeowners or we, a nation of aspirational homeowners. We want to own our homes because we see there's some security there, etc. The pros of it are you have to live somewhere, as you said, Dan. And if you weren't owning it, you'd have to rent it and you're paying rent. You know, there's always a perception. Why should I pay rent to somebody else? when if I can raise the money and buy my own property, I'm saving up. So it becomes really emotive. And I think then people carry that forward and look at the broader investment perspective and think, you know, property is a really good investment because I've got my house here and it's gone up in value, um, which is true. And generally you funded it by using debt. And then when inflation comes along, it erodes your debt. So you get to the end of your mortgage and you've purchased your house. And you think that was a fantastic investment. Well, it was because you've got a house you live in and you now own. But however, if you'd have put that money to use in some other asset class, you'd have probably made a lot more money. But it's the fear of going to something you don't know. So for me, everybody should have property in their portfolio. But when I'm talking about portfolio, I'm talking about the broader aspect of, you know, your portfolio to the general general person, not a professional investor or someone who's, you know, supremely wealthy, but to the, to the most of us, our portfolio includes where we live. So for me, I, I've got more than one property only. It wasn't a conscious decision that, by the way, I, I needed another property because I worked away from home. And when, you know, when I moved back and was able to move back, I felt that why I was in a fortunate position, I could keep it. Why should I let someone else buy it off me and rent it out? So I, you know, rented it out. And I can talk about all the difficulties that brings as well, by the way. Um, but, you know, it, it's I, I'm overexposed to property, so I wouldn't buy a property fund. Um, but equally, if that was my only investment, I would be sitting here very frightened about an, a, a liquidity trap, because if I needed to get rid of it, it can take a lot of time to get rid of property, certainly at a price you want. Um, and so, you know, the pros of it are, yeah, it's a great diversifier in your portfolio, but you should look at your portfolio across everything you've got not just your investment money. And yeah. um, it, it, it's a, it, it, I keep saying it, it becomes a really emotive, emotional subject. You get attached to it and you should never get attached to investments. Thanks, Steve. No, I, I, I agree with the emotional side of things. If, 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 
even if we look from a return side of things, I think there's a common conception as well that, you know, house prices just continue to rise and up and up and up they go. And a, a, a statistic I've just been checking here, you know, over the last 10 years, average UK house prices have risen 34.7%. And George, I'm, I'll put you mildly on the spot, but do you know how much the UK stock markets grew over those, those 10 years? Yeah, you, you, you're looking at sort of north of 60. Um, yeah. You're probably talking about 62, 64% over that point in time. Yeah. So, you know, almost almost double if you were just invested just in the, in the UK stock market versus the property side of things. And I think that, that that's commonly missed, I think, when, when people say, well, house prices always rise. Um, I think house prices at the moment are artificially high as well because we've got the stamp duty deadline coming up. Again, going back to this kind of pent-up demand, which George was talking about in, in, in his investment roundup side of things, I think there's definitely this demand for a house. As people have been working from home, they've been wanting more space, they've been wanting a garden. You've got the stamp duty side of things, you know, as, as well coming to a close. So um, maybe a bit of a bubble in terms of the housing market side of things too. Jamie, if, 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 if we move to you and we, we maybe consider, some, say, some of the... the tax treatment uh, of an investment Let, let's say you've obviously got a, a, a property which you own outright um grows 34 35 percent over the last 10 years would you be paying tax on that it depends on the um if it's your own property dan so it's, you, you won't pay any tax on it but if it's a, a rented pro a, a rented property that then yes there is tax implications with it and yeah. as well if you, if you are looking for a, a second property there's areas that you consider it's it is different stamp duty you pay three percent on top of the current current rates uh as well as you, you pay, if you take an income from it that's taxable it was the property purchase was were, were very big steve might know i was i was just a young lad at this time uh, steve but back in back in the early 2000s this was the uh it was the kind of in thing you, you bought rental property because there was there was pretty good tax treatments on it um but the, the labor government did fix that um over a, Fix. I don't know if fix the word, but they, they did change that over um, over a period of time. I think that the, the key thing for, for property um, for me is, and a lot of people don't sort of forget about the value of the property that they sit in, which is their home. And since the, the increase in values that you've seen over the, you know, over the last 10, 20 years, you've, you've seen a lot of uh, people who potentially wouldn't have had inheritance tax problems have all, have all of a sudden came into that bracket. Um, there, there was a, a sort of a, a slight change where you, you do have a property allowance now, um, but it can still, you know, if, you, if you've got a, a property of, you know, of five, six hundred thousand pounds and then you, you start put all your other assets together, you can soon get close to that, that figure. And it's, it's something people forget about. They look at their other assets and, and forget about the actual property that they, they sit in. But there's, there's various tax implications to think about. Um, you know, from an income perspective, stamp duty, et cetera, if you, if you are looking at second properties. And versus, I suppose, Jamie, if we, if we use George's number, you know, a, a return of, of north of 60%, and, and, you know, if you're invested in, say, just normal UK stocks and shares. And you've got tax advantages, depending on if, you, if it's invested in ISA or a pension, for instance. Yeah, the, um, the great, you know, I, I speak highly about pensions. I know some people... But the fantastic tax efficient products and effectively any money in, in a pension is, is sitting outside of your state. So it doesn't it doesn't come into it doesn't come in from an IHT perspective. 
um, regarding ICEs, obviously you're getting that tax-free growth. So, you know, you put your £20,000 in the allowance you can get a year. And we, we talk about this on a regular basis on the podcast in terms of utilising your pension and your, your ISA allowance, but they're, they're fantastic things for saving. And you, it's effective, it's tax-free growth. It really is from an ISA perspective. Um, and even from a pension perspective as well. Uh, there's, you know, there's tax implications on that. So I think it's, there is definitely benefits to, to these types of um, products. And I think from my point of view with property as well, it's um, when you're talking about the investment side, you do have the liquidity area, which, which Steve talks about. But I do think um, sometimes when you buy in second properties and you think, well, I'll buy that second property and that'll be income for when I retire. It's the, the motion of a bricks and water, mortar that you can, you can see it and you can, you're able to sort of see it. There is sometimes an emotional touch to it. Um, I don't know if that was your emotional touch to the, the property, second property you own, Steve, or just a good investment? Um, it, has it been a good investment? Let me tell you a little bit of, you know, it, it, I, I owned it. So when I moved north, I, I, I noticed the people that wanted to buy it off me were just going to rent it out. So the penny dropped. I thought, well, let's just keep it. To be honest, um, sometimes it can be more hassle than it's worth. You get it, you know, all right, say it's a £400,000 property and you get 20 grand a year, so 5% yield. You think, oh, that's a good yield. It's better than the bank. Then you think, well, I pay agents fees. Um, during, you know, an event like we've had last year, uh, the rent stopped for a while. And then because it's managed at a distance, the decking in the garden needed replacing. So, you know, if I was there, I'd do it myself for probably 300 quid. And they're telling me it's six and a half grand. And then a bit of felt on the roof needs doing, and it's only a ten-year-old house, and you know, oh, that was going to be two and a half grand. And you suddenly think, I'm almost wiping out my after tax. I'm wiping out any gain I've made on that property from an income perspective, and the hassle. Um, and you think, well, if that was my retirement income, I'd be sitting there thinking, crikey, I'm, I'm going to miss a year's worth of income here. So it's not all plain sailing, um, and it can be a real hassle. And as uh, the guys are talking there. There are other asset classes that if you keep, you know, if you keep emotionally apart from, give you much better returns. Property is a good diversifier, I agree, and it maybe forms part of some people's, you know, portfolios. Um, but just be careful. The other thing is, you know, people think, well, I'll invest in a property fund, as we briefly mentioned a little bit there. Let's not forget a well-known property fund, uh, the MG fund, has been closed, just opened again after 17 months. So if you thought you wanted to take your money out, you are stuck in that liquidity trap for 17 months. Now, if you've got the cash to to ride that, that's fine. If you haven't, that would be really stressful, I imagine, to a lot of people. Um, so, and then you think, well, you know, real estate investment trust REITs—they're an equity. Everybody, they're not <laughs> all right. They're backed by property investments, but they're an equity, and they behave in the same manner as equities. So, it's a complex area, and you you should again talk to people who know what you know. The investment managers, George and and, and his colleagues, etc. And advisors, you should be talking to them because it's not as simple. You just buy another house and you get a lovely income that lasts for life. It's not, in my experience, not quite the same as that. Yeah, no, I, I think, Steve, there's, there's a couple of really good points on there. I think the first one is the almost a hassle factor, you know, as, as well, which is you have to value your own time as well, which, which is, you know, figure out how much you get paid a month, you know, then how much that is a week and how much that is a day. And even then, Darren, how much it is an hour. And if you spent, you're having to spend, say, a day traveling backward and forward to go and meet somebody on site to do the decking and then argue the toss about, mm. is it going to be £6,000 or six and a half? and then the felt on the roof and whatever. 
it, it can end up costing you days. It's also distracting as well. So actually, in real terms, it's it's costing you more because you're having to take a day's holiday or you're having to, you know, or if you're self-employed, you're having to move on to that rather than actually generating cash in a, in a, in a different way. So again, I think that's a, a really unseen side of things, but it's a, a, a great point, Steve. And then the, the the second one about using, say, property as an, as an asset type, as an asset class, uh, and putting them into, say, your investments or pensions. I mean, you, you mentioned the liquidity thing with, you say, M&G. We had the well, well publicised, you know, events with, say, the Woodford Fund over the last year as well. But George, maybe just for, for people who, who, who are listening and aren't aware, what do we mean when a fund gets frozen, you know, in terms of li- liquidity? What, what, what does that mean? Yeah, essentially, uh, liquidity is all about being able to get out of your investment at a fair price. I think the second part's an important aspect at a fair price. Essentially, and, you know, a few examples there of the M&G fund, but um, there was a lot of funds back in 2016 around the time of the, the UK-European referendum. Um, essentially, what, what, what it's referring to is a lot of these funds were trying to sell half the city of London in the space of three to five days. Um, it's not possible. So... So in that sense, they they did lock up because they were buying direct bricks and mortar property. Um, we, we do hold some read exposure within uh, the, the, the the true potential funds. Um, I'll just add some context to that. True potential funds are what we call USITs. Now, there's another acronym, which I won't go too much into, but the last part of it is transferable securities, which is all about shares, so equities, bonds, it's, it's liquidable assets. So what do we get from a read exposure? You'll see this on a fact sheet, especially for, say, a balanced income type fund. You'll see about a 5% exposure. You get that exposure to capital growth, which which we've discussed. You get that exposure to income in, in the sense of that, that rental income aspect. Um, but it's it's we buy units of a fund, so you've got the ability to change trade it on exchange. What does it mean? Well, it means if we want to reduce the exposure we have in the portfolios to property, we're not having to go out and put a property on the market. We're not having to deal with solicitors. We're not having to deal with surveyors who can come back and say, well, you know, there's not, not much to compare the property to around here. So there was one sold down the road 10 years ago. So we'll use that as a bit of a guess. We've got something where we can take a, a fair value of, of, of the, 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 the total assets in that property fund and, and get out of that quickly. So that's a really important aspect um, of what we do. It's a, it's a rule. It means that we can't do that in direct bricks and mortar property, but I think there's real benefits. There's also, you know, from an outlay perspective, um, if, if you're interested in sort of having that exposure to some sort of property, you can you can get that within, you know, portfolio construct. You can get that within our portfolios from, you know, a pound upwards. You don't have to have that, all of that money sunk into that one single property on the street. And, you know, you get the phone call at 10 o'clock at night saying, I need the felt repaired on the roof and the, the decking's gone and, and, and that sort of takeover of your life and the, the, the worry that is the phone going to ring tonight with the tenant on the end of the line? <laughs> no, it, 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 it is a horrific worry. I, when I moved house, I couldn't sell my house. This has gone back 10 years ago now and I, I, I couldn't sell the house I was in. I just couldn't get the price I wanted. So we rented it out and I used to hate it because... Uh, and they would phone up about anything as well. And it, it was the wife who I predominantly dealt with because, as the lady would often tell me, her husband was a surgeon and he's very busy, don't you know? As if, like, as if I care. <laughs> I don't care if he's a mechanic. You know? But she was like, um, 
and like there was one day, it was a Sunday afternoon, and the door handle fell off. And she was like, "Will you be able to arrange someone to come and fix the door handle?" And I just replied, saying, "No, put it on yourself." I said, "Come on." And actually, it actually worked out quite well because they hadn't had a rent review for two years. I said, "You can put it on yourself." And by the way, um, I'm putting your rent up four hundred pound a month. And that 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 quickly that quickly sorted it as well. So it was uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I've meandered into the into a, a semi rant, which, which I'd actually forgotten all about until uh, until you've triggered me there, George. It's all your fault. I was having a I was having a nice morning. It's funny that um, I'm in I'm in head office, as you can see, and we've got you know, and I'll be able to see if he's listening. Um, within within the head office team, we've got our very own Martin Roberts, as as we call him. So I'm keep waiting for him to to come past. I think you know who I'm on about with the homes under the hammer theme tune. I know who you're guys. on about. Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the gentleman in, in, in concern there does not find that funny, George. He, he, he thinks he doesn't look like him, but we know it's a chap with the initials SW. <laughs> that's, that, that, that's, we'll, we'll say no more from, from there. Um, Jamie, you've got, um, you've, got, you've got some exposure to the house renovations and upgrades and, and things along with, with your family. Yeah, it's, I, my first property I bought was um, a, a wreck. And it was kind of like, oh, I'll get it cheap and I'll, I'll do it up. And my, my dad's a, he's a, he's a tradesman, so he was able to help significantly and I saved a lot of money. Now I made quite a bit on the property when I sold it, but God, what a six months of hell! I kind of done everything, and then you got all, everything done, and then you know I, I did the usual trick of, oh, I'll be able to do that, and then you know ten minutes after trying, I would ring my dad and get him to do it for us. Um, but it was, it was just painful. It was just really, really painful. And literally three years later, I bought a brand new house. I just couldn't. I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't, couldn't deal with it anymore. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't actually cope with it. It's I, interesting. I think for, for me, it's always a worry if you do something yourself. You always think there's a very finer time scale here till it falls off. <laughs> like I put that shelf up and I'm like, yeah, that's okay for now. But, you know, in a I mean, year's time, it's going to be down. I, I remember about three or four years ago, Dan, you were, you took the, um, you we're talking about the cost of time, which is what you were saying before. And you've taken the Mickey out of us traveling to Edinburgh to get a cheap flight to New York, not realizing that I thought, oh, I'll save myself 200 pounds by driving to Edinburgh, not realizing I've got petrol, two hour drive, had to drive there, jet lagged on the way home. You just start to add it up and go, actually, is it worth it? And it's the same, same sort no, it's a, that's a That's a Greg Lang special. He'll, he'll drive to the far end of the United Kingdom to save 100 pounds on a yep. flight. Like, <laughs> it's nice to hear you say you benefit from some experience there, Jamie, because Helping back to your previous wisecrack about me being a little older than you. Well, certain <laughs> things you learn when you're a bit older. It, 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 me, me and you are like mentor figures, Steve, to, to George and to Jamie. We're just, we just we pass the experience down. Well, I, uh, I, when we moved in here years ago, I decided I'd learn how to be a plumber because I just thought, you know what, plumbers like Meccano, I can probably do that, which is fine. I, I kind of taught me it's high risk as well, plumbing, don't forget. Um, you get that, you get the big black five and a half inch pipes wrong, they've got a problem. But um, yeah, I thought that. I didn't realize that in older life though, I'd find it very difficult to get under cupboards and stuff. But now my lovely lady wife tells me, you can do plumbing, go under the sink and do that. So yeah, I get a lot of strange commands around this house now. So if ever oh, you visit, I'll I'll bet. The sink, it's because I can't get out. So we'll have to come around and look at your big pipes, Steve. <laughs> it's an open, open invitation, everybody. Yeah. It's very okay. No, it's. I, 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 I've got a friend, one of my best friends is an electrician. And again, going back, I, I wired up my own house the first time round. And 
the amount of electric shocks I gave myself. I think I spent like a month like shaking <laughs> afterwards. And, but the house never burnt down, but I did get rid of it after a few years. So it may have burnt down now, but it's not my, <laughs> not my problem. <laughs> Go on the property for a second, because it, it probably sounds like we're, we're pooing it and we'll, we'll end up with a load of comments where someone will, as well as the bots, as we all seem to get in the YouTube comments telling us how great Bitcoin is. And I invested with Bitcoin with the Dan Reed system and you can do this. So we'll, we'll get spammed with those now. I've mentioned the word Bitcoin, the, the algorithms will be picking that up. But we'll probably also get some of the property evangelists having a go at us now because we, we, we sound very cynical and, and, and bitter about it. And it's it's not. It, I think it can. Would it be right to say, Jamie, if you stick your financial advisor hat on, would it be right to say property actually can be a legitimate part of, of, of a client's diversified like asset? Uh, yeah, moment? I think it can. And when I, um, you know, many occasions where we advise clients from a retirement planning perspective, uh, we quite often say that they'll have a rental property or, or, or a few rental properties. And actually, when you're looking at, um, you know, for a final salary transfer, for example, and if they've got that rental property coming in and that's going to cover the majority of their retirement income, you can benefit from from transferring your, your final salary pension at this basis and actually keeping it, taking it out of your estate and you and effectively tax tax efficiently passing it to um, passing it to your dependents. Or that's how your children or or whoever. So there is there is some good benefits from from that. I think it's interesting when we see these sorts of retirement plan. It is good to see you know you'll have your state pension if they've, if they've effectively got a rental property, then that's that's that works. And I think the other thing as well is I've seen a lot of clients where they've they've kind of wanted to help their their kids out. So they've they thought well actually I'll help them and I'll help them you know we'll go halves on the first property or I'll buy the first property and. And rent that back to them and then they'll just inherit that because you know it's important and i think you you've got that element of of you know trying to help your family and, and it's a, another way of, of gifting assets over a period of time which once again helps with by so there is definitely benefits to it um but it's everything it's it's circumstances and i think when we talk about retirement we talk about giving people advice it's it's always on personal circumstances and what the client's needs and objectives are how, how that can best be achieved so there's there is definitely an element for property um, and I think you will always have your main asset will be your house. Whether you go for a second asset to, to cover income is, is, is specific to that, that individual. But there's, there's other reasons why people may buy that second property. Yeah, thanks, Jamie. And, and, and Steve, I think following on one of Jamie's last points there, going back to myself in the introduction where you, you do get the man in the pub will say, you know, my, my, my house is my pension. You know, my house is now worth three hundred thousand pounds. That's my pension. What's the what's the pitfall with that statement? <laughs> yeah, you've always got to have somewhere to live. Yeah. And you know, people say, "Well, I'll downsize." Well, you might not want to downsize either. And let's not forget, if you look at two thousand and seven, we had we all know what happened. Even the younger people amongst us probably remember what happened in two thousand and seven. Well, house prices started going south. Not literally, I all you know, but in terms of price sense, went south. And they didn't regain their peak again until um, 2014. So you had seven years when you would have, and we talk about the fair price for your property, you would have felt you weren't getting a fair price if you were wanting to sell it and downsize. So you might have thought, well, you know, the average, I think the average price peaked in the UK at 189,000 in 2007 and didn't get back to that peak till something like July 2014. 
you know, you would have felt robbed if you were trying to sell your house, downsize, use it as your pension. So again, it's that emotional aspect. Try and separate your emotion from your investing. I, I, I don't disagree with anything that's been said in relation to we use property as you know part of the portfolio and a diversifier, but don't make it your whole pension. I, I, I just think that's a really emotional phrase. My yeah, house is yeah. my pension. Well, hang on. Like my kids are my pension. Well, good luck with that. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's some silly phrases that creep in, and I think people think, well, it must be true because it's a it's a well used phrase. No, it's not. It's yeah. probably quite a silly thing to say. Um, says yeah. you, but there you go. No, look, Steve. I think that the 2007 is a great point because going going back to my doomed rental property, I bought my house just before that crash happened. So I bought my house at the peak, being very sensible and boring. I locked myself into a five-year term with a interest payment of 4.2%, which was Mervyn King had just said that month, you know, I only see interest rates going up. So I thought, well, let's lock an interest rate in at that as well. Then the big crash. And yeah, it took me five, six years to get that house. Just actually, it's in a really desirable part of Newcastle as well. A really nice, nice part of town. And it took me five, six years just to get the, what I paid for it back uh, from, from there. And I always just think, imagine if that was my pension. Imagine if that was me relying on selling mm. that house uh, to, to then live in, in terms of retirement versus a, an out and out proper pension like Jamie was talking about before, which is, you know, as and when you're ready to or legally allowed, you can start drawing that down. You know, and it's, you know, you're just selling down the funds and you're getting the, getting your drawdown income payments that way. Well, it's also done. It's really difficult these days to get residential property into a pension. So it's it's you know on on a pension you're getting tax relief going in, you're getting tax free growth, and you've got an element of tax free you know capital you can take out. You don't get that on a pen, on a property. Uh, mm. It's you used to, and you refer Jeremy to the early nineties and stuff when you could do. It was a lot easier to get your property into your pension than to get all these tax reliefs on your property. It's not easy anymore. You can't do it. And one another point for me is. Um, we talk about and people say, oh, well, 2007 was a really, really unusual. Well, it wasn't that unusual because last year was quite unusual. We seem to get these unusual. You know, the early 90s when we saw property deflation was really, you know, it, they're not that unusual. These these sort of cycles in property investing. So, again, don't be don't be kidded by the fact that that was a one off. It, it probably wasn't. Um, no, and I think you know George is a keen student of investment you know markets work in cycles you know the investment market side of things we've, we've talked about that in a lot of depth before these podcasts and you know as you're indicating there steve it, it can happen with housing too you know mm-hmm. so the 90s it happens and you know mid 2000s it, 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 it happens yeah. again so it's yeah it can be a, a a risky game to put it all in for something which people wouldn't associate with being risky and i think you maybe wouldn't associate being risky because you can go and look at a house you can go and look at a, a commercial property, for instance. You, you can come and look at George if you're investing in the TPP portfolios, but George George doesn't have the money inside him, so to speak. He's just, you know, it's... it's uh, <laughs> I think I've got, I've got a, 20, 20, 20 quid or so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that, that's like an awful way of putting something that you can't look inside, George. So. <laughs> Apologies. I, was, I was trying to think of an answer there, Dan, but... <laughs> no, the, 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 Unfortunately, sometimes you can't polish a you know what. So if, 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 yeah, so I've got myself stuck. I think that's probably getting myself stuck. Probably sounds like a great time to wrap up as as, as well, gentlemen. That's um, 
I mean, that's been, that's been really interesting today. And it's actually, it's been interesting for me as well, because I, I've picked up a couple of additional points there. And I, I, I hope that all of our ladies and gentlemen listening have done so too. So we're, we're all in England. Um, so we, we will speak about English lockdowns and weekends. Last weekend, before the next wave of freedom, it's raining outside as it's done all the time. But is that going to stop anybody going out for lunch tomorrow, going out for beer garden visits? Or are you going to keep your powder dry now till Monday in the big indoors? Well, I um, I, I haven't seen my kids really for a year, Dan, and they're all coming home this weekend. So by Monday, I'll be ready not to see them again for another year. Because <laughs> I think I think we'll be sitting in a beer garden tomorrow afternoon, and uh, yeah, I don't know what Sunday will feel like. Yeah. <laughs> Jamie, are you venturing out? I may, I may tease into a, a beer garden. I'm, I've already got a, a table booked for next week to to have a meal in out, which will be good. But I'm, I think one thing I've, I haven't realised, which is, as everyone knows, I, a little boy in September, is I've had to arrange a babysitter, which is unheard of because I've never had to do this, which wasn't too hard because uh, both grandparents were happy to, to help. That's a whole new world of babysitter. And then I, I've, I've got a friend with my best friend, in fact, he used to refer when he had to look after his own children. Is I'm babysitting tonight. I'm like, <laughs> you, you, you don't babysit your own children, mate. <laughs> That's just called being a dad. <laughs> yeah. So so never slip into that, Jamie. If 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 Annie ever goes out and you're you're left alone with Jack, don't just say I'm babysitting Jack tonight. So. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, George, you'll be on the rampage around Newcastle. <laughs> Um, well, going back to Jamie's point of, of, of exams, I'm actually doing just a, a few more qualifications at the minute. Um, so what what, I, what my plan is, if I can get up nice and sharp tomorrow, get a good session in, then I'll uh, I'll head out for a beer tomorrow night, but not too many so I can get a bit more done on, on Sunday. But if I get an early start in and, and get my head in the books, I'm sure I'll sit outside. I'm sure I'll sit in a beer garden in a in a tent if I need to, 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 to have a pint, even if the, even if the weather doesn't hold up. Oh no, the, the the things we do, eh? and as as I said, like when I, when I was out last Saturday as well, it was just it, it was actually really good fun to see my pals, and it's probably the same as what Steve's saying. It's nice to see, nice to see, you know, you've got family coming up, so it's nice to see friends there as well. So yeah, I, I haven't got a clue what I'm going to do this weekend. Probably just I'm definitely not going back out on the Saturday like like, like I did last week. Um, <laughs> No, but look, Jens, uh, uh, again, thank you so much uh, for, for helping me through this today and for putting up with some of my bits of blunders uh, from from property uh, today. So um, have a lovely weekend, lads. And ladies and gentlemen, have a lovely weekend as well. I uh, hope you enjoyed today. Uh, please do like this video. If you did, please do comment. Please do ask questions as well. It gives us great feedback and ideas for future content as well. And if you want to hear more from us or definitely hear more from George and the team every day with the Morning Markets, click the subscribe option as well and you'll get a notification as and when things are ready. But uh, thanks again, everybody. Have a great Friday and have a lovely weekend as well. Cheerio for now. Thanks, everyone. Subscribing to True Potential YouTube channel is quick and easy. Simply go to your YouTube app on your phone, type in True Potential and press the red subscribe option. You'll then be notified as and when new videos are released.